Hey everyone, welcome back to the Live with Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel and today we're going to be continuing studying through the book of Romans. Specifically today, we're going to be reading through Romans chapter 8 verses 5 to 17. In the last section, we started on Romans chapter 8, which was the start of the positive statements about having a relationship with Jesus. And in verses 1 to 4, we read about how there is no condemnation meaning there's no disapproval, accusation, damnation, and so on for those who are in Christ. And in this section, we're going to be reading about how as Christians, we are free from defeat, we can live in victory, and there is just no obligation to the old way of doing things, the old sinful nature that we used to have. And I've explained all of this lingo in previous episodes. So if something is confusing to you, I would really recommend listening back to some of the old episodes because I explain it along the way. But for now, let's get right into it. And we'll be reading verses 5 to 17 in the New Living Translation. And it says this, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of your sinful nature and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share with his suffering. So verses five to eight contrast the believer and the unbeliever. And there are four different contrasts. I'm going to be reading them out in the contemporary English version because at the moment I'm really enjoying how straightforward that translation is. So let's break it down. Verse five, people who are ruled by their desires think only of themselves. Everyone who is ruled by the Holy Spirit thinks about spiritual things. So the unbelieving person doesn't have the Holy Spirit within them. They actually just live in the flesh. They do whatever they want to do. They live to please themselves and their minds are focused on things that will satisfy what they want to do. But the Christian has the Holy Spirit within them, and because of that, they live an entirely new and different way from the unbelieving person. Their mind is focused on the things of the Holy Spirit, which are the things that we covered in the previous episode, so I highly recommend listening to that one if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Or, alternatively, you can just go and read Galatians chapter 5. Anyway, this doesn't mean to say that the unbelieving person doesn't ever do anything good, or that they never do anything bad either. It just means to say that they live their lives completely different to how a Christian would live their lives. So one person would live for themselves and the other lives for God. Verse 6. 
If our minds are ruled by our desires, we will die. But if our minds are ruled by the spirit, we will have life and peace. So I've explained before that the unbelieving person is alive physically, but dead spiritually, meaning that their inner person is dead towards God and doesn't respond to the Holy Spirit. They might be moral or even religious or quote unquote good, but they lack a spiritual life and they need the Holy Spirit that will give you life that comes from Jesus Christ. Verse 7, our desires fight against God because they do not and cannot obey God's laws. When we read Romans chapter 7 before, we saw that the old nature is in rebellion against God and will not submit to God's law. Those who trust in Jesus, they are the ones who enjoy peace with God while the unbelievers are naturally at war with God. So that's what this verse means. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 22 actually says, there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. Moving on to verse 8, it says, if we follow our desires, we cannot please God. So like we read in the New Living Translation, I'm just going to say it again. It says those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So this means that that person, that unbelieving person is lost and outside of Christ. The unbelieving person lives to please themselves and they rarely ever think about pleasing God or what does God say about a particular topic. The root of sin is ultimately selfishness, meaning my will will be done, not God's will be done. So those are in very quick terms, the contrasts between the unbelieving person and the believing person. So now let's move on to verses 9 to 11 and it says this, You are no longer ruled by your desires, but by God's spirit who lives in you. People who don't have the spirit of Christ in them don't belong to him, but Jesus Christ lives in you. So you are alive because God has accepted you, even though your bodies must die because of your sins. Yet God raised Jesus to life. God's spirit now lives in you and he will raise you to life by his spirit. So the evidence that someone is actually like a real authentic believing Christian is the presence of the Holy Spirit within them. And if you don't really know what I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit is a witness to the fact that they are a child of God. Their body is now like almost like a temple to the Holy Spirit. And that's why you hear some people say, my body is a temple. (laughs) And even though their physical body will eventually die, the Holy Spirit gives that person life and gives that body life so that they may live for God. With the Holy Spirit, you experience a whole new life. Evangelist D.L. Moody actually described his conversion to Jesus experience like this. I was in a new world. The next morning, the sun shone brighter and the birds sang sweeter. The old elms waves their branches for joy and all nature was at peace. So this is basically a different way of saying that life with Jesus is living the abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, a thief comes to only rob, kill and destroy. I came so everyone would have life and have it fully. So unlike a thief, Jesus didn't come for selfish reasons. He didn't come to get anything, to receive anything. He only came to give. He came so that people could have life in him that is meaningful, purposeful, joyful, and eternal. And we get that when we accept him into our lives. However, he doesn't mean like we need to have big, beautiful homes, expensive cars, go on amazing cruises, have beautiful clothes and just all this materialism, like just things and getting more things with and just having more and more money than we know what to do with it. The Bible actually tells us that wealth, prestige, position and power in this world are not actually on God's top priorities for us. 
So the abundant life doesn't mean an abundance of material things, because if that were true, then Jesus on earth would have been the wealthiest man on the planet. The Christian life actually revolves around growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. The true abundant life consists of an abundance of joy, peace, love, and the rest of the fruit of the spirit that's mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. It's not an abundance of things, of, of stuff. So this teaches us that the abundant life is a continual process of learning, practicing and maturing, as well as ultimately failing, recovering, adjusting, enduring and overcoming issues. Because currently right now on earth, we are not perfect. Everything on this planet is broken. We're broken. The weather is broken. We see that. We get sick. We die. Our loved ones, they let us down. They hurt us. But the Bible says that one day we will see God face to face and we will know him completely. And we will no longer be struggling with sin and brokenness and death and doubt. And we will have fulfilled the abundant life. We will be eternally with him. So therefore, our interest should be on the things that last forever, things that are eternal, not in the things that is temporary here on earth. Colossians chapter three, verses two to three say, Think about the things of heaven, not of the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So now let's move on to verses 12 uh, to 17. It says this, My dear friends, we must not live to satisfy our desires. If you do, you will die, but you will live if by the help of God's spirit you say no to your desires. Only those people who are led by God's spirit are his children. God's spirit doesn't make us slaves who are afraid of him. Instead, we become his children and call him father. God's spirit makes us sure that we are his children. His spirit lets us know that together with Christ, we will be given what God has promised. We will also share in the glory of Christ because we have suffered with him. So you'll notice that in this section, it has a contrast between two different spirits. The first one being a spirit of bondage or slavery and the Holy Spirit, which in the New Living Translation said God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So other translations might say the spirit of adoption or something along those lines. So you've got the two different spirits. They're two different mindsets that people can have in their approach to God. And we can either approach him as slaves in bondage and we're scared of him, or we can approach him as adopted children who look to him with thankfulness and reverence. And the Bible actually talks highly of adoption and uses it to parallel the relationship that God wants to have with us. And in contrast to that, the spirit of slavery views God as a slave owner and we are just his scared subjects, like I said. But the spirit of adoption, that view, that views God as a loving father and we are his beloved sons and daughters. So I hope that makes sense. The spirit of slavery goes back to what we were talking about with the whole legalistic religion and legalistic practices in the previous episodes. And that spirit like of slavery and the whole legalistic religion, we talked about how they put a huge emphasis on rule keeping and rituals and they just instilled fear and a sense of dread to those who believed and practiced that sort of thing. And they also tend to view God as some kind of like taskmaster who is never satisfied with anything that we do and they just feel like the bar is always just so high for them so they just keep themselves busy in the hope that God will accept them for their effort and their works. 
I'm sure you've seen people like in today's day and age who act or believe in this sort of thing. Some of these people, they might even genuinely be Christians and they have faith in Jesus and what he has done for them, but they can still cling on to this way of thinking and this way of acting and they just feel like they need to try and try and try in order to get God to like them because they believe that God's mad at them so they need to try harder or something like that, but they just don't realize or maybe they've forgotten that the freedom is theirs. With the spirit of adoption, it's theirs. God has adopted us as his sons and daughters and he loves us. We don't have to keep working for his approval. In the cultural context of this chapter, the spirit of slavery was everywhere during Paul's time and especially in the Jewish culture when Jesus came to earth. If you read in Matthew what Jesus had said and done, you would see that Jesus actually disapproved of the religious leaders for instilling legalism with the uh, the Jewish people with whom God desires to actually have a loving relationship with. Or, you know, you can actually just see it perfectly acted out on The Chosen. This isn't sponsored or anything, but it, I just remembered that, you know, season three just came out and it's absolutely brilliant. Season one of The Chosen is on Netflix right now, but you can watch all of The Chosen on their app, which you can get on your phone or the Apple TV. And it's a really great show. And I really feel like this uh, this whole thing about legalism and the Jewish people and the cultural context, I feel it is really translated accurately on the screen through The Chosen. So I would really, really recommend watching that show. If you're more of a visual learner like myself, this show, I feel, really helps uh, everyone to understand the Bible in its context. But anyway, that's yeah, <laughs> just a plug for The Chosen. I really love them and I really love their show. So anyway, Paul cautions the early churches in his letters to be careful of the return of the spirit of slavery. And that's the whole thing that Jesus is trying to undo. He's trying to undo this mindset of legalism. Anyway, so in contrast, like I said, to the spirit of slavery is the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit of God who brings us into God's family. Jesus invited all of the believers to address God as Abba Father, which is just Father. Abba is just a word for Father. God explained his desire to treat his people as sons and daughters, and he made the spiritual adoption of sorts possible through faith in his son, Jesus. And based on our faith and declaration in that we trust in him, God adopts us into his eternal family and therefore makes us joint heirs with Jesus. We receive the Holy Spirit when we accept by faith the grace that has been offered to us in Jesus. Also, because of this, there's a huge difference between the way children serve and honor their fathers and the way that slaves serve their masters. I'm sure you can see that contrast as well. Slaves perform their duties because they they have to, and children do things that their parents ask them, hopefully out of love. Slaves dutifully obey and children, hopefully, gladly obey if you have a good relationship with your parents. Slaves are motivated by fear of punishment, but children are motivated, hopefully, by the love in the relationship. So if you're a Christian and you're not approaching God in grace joyfully, but instead you're motivated to approach God out of duty and fear, then I'm lovingly telling you today that you're doing it wrong because there is no fear in love. And that's exactly where I want to leave it today. I just want to leave you with that thought of there is no fear in love. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope that you remember that if he lives in us and we are in him and if his love lives in us, then we have the tools that we need to live in his love and to show that love to other people. So we really don't need to fear the coming judgment anymore that's mentioned in the Bible, because why would we? We belong to him. God loved the world so much that he gave his son Jesus 
so that the one who believes in Jesus will not die in condemnation, but will have eternal life and be with him in heaven forever. The only kind of fear that we should be having is a reverential, admiring, appreciative fear because God is sovereign over everything. It's this kind of fear that the Bible says is the beginning of knowledge wisdom and understanding. So to be loved by God is just so incredible and amazing. It's a great feeling and it's a great reality to live in. And it just means that his His love is so much stronger than anything we can ever imagine. And that just empowers us to live in victory. So just to remind you, you know, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Am I right? So <laughs> I hope you had a really great day and I hope you have a really great rest of your week and I'll see you in the next episode. Okay. Bye everyone.